Life's a Salad, eat it. Or listen to it on our podcast. God, what? Well, welcome back to another episode of Salad this week. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, I am Trent, joined here by Cole. Um, we're here once again to dish up a new dish of salad goodness mm-hmm. for you this week, and uh, we're, we're hoping you like what you've uh, got to consume. Now, Cole, what are we? Uh, what's the ingredients we're looking at this week? What's going on in the industry? Well, ingredients, uh, this week we certainly are not eating organic or gluten-free, that's for sure, mm, because okay. there have been some fake fake ads amiss. Uh, fake salads? <laughs> fake salads have oh been, uh, are being tossed far and, far and wide. Um, Mix but that basically, up for us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but basically what I'm referring to is um, this. Uh, there's a GM ad, um, essentially. So you, you may have seen these ads before. Um, real people... Real people, not actors. Yeah, They're not actors people. in these. I go walking. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the cl- the classic uh, GM ad of you know showing real people, you know, they're pulling the sheets off of cars. You, I bet you didn't know the Chevy gets thirty miles to the gallon. What? You know, they all freak Whoa. out. Then their parents show up or something. So <laughs> these you know, you know high quality ads from GM um, that we've sure. been, we've, sure. we've we'll all come to know and, lo- know and love. Yeah. But they got in a little bit of hot water this week, um, because they released an ad for their Chevys where basically, so, you know, they do the thing where there's the, the Chevy, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a cloak or whatever that they put over the cars and yeah, they pull, like it, some pull it out, they pull it out and, uh, yeah, exactly. Disguises. Yeah. Uh, they pull that out and, um, but they did a twist on it where it started with the Ford logo on the front and they were saying okay for would you be surprised to hear that ford's the most reliable car in the world and they bring in ford owners honda owners, toyota owners they're like oh no fords are the best pull it off and then it's a honda logo they're like oh yeah i knew that honda was the be- the honda people are like oh i knew honda was the best they pull it off then it's toyota again and they're like what and then the toyota people are you know saying oh wow you know i knew that toyota was the most reliable and then they dupe everyone and they pull the sheet off and it's Chevy's and then they, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And then they make the the claim that, uh, Chevy's more reliable than 23 other uh, car brands, which, um, I don't know if you've ever, if anyone's ever owned a Chevy, I guess, but, um, I don't know if that's exactly true. Mm. Um, and that was one report. And actually, all the cars shown in the ad were not even the the cars that had been reported as being reliable. So basically, then Ford, Toyota, and Honda all spoke up saying, hey, we don't really think this is true. Uh, you know, most consumer ratings magazines do not put GM cars as being more reliable than pretty much most other cars, okay. um, especially not Honda and Toyota. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but the cars that she- uh, Chevy was actually actually making those claims on were not even featured in the ad. Those were actually older models that they weren't even trying to sell anymore. They weren't even on the market. And so basically Chevy has gotten a bit of hot water and they pulled the ads, but they're, they're saying that it was only because, um, they wanted to fill space for new Silverado spots that they had just come out with. So, uh, but I think, I think we're kind of starting to see a little bit more. So in this, Silverado uh, kind of, lining. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, exactly. <laughs> But um, so essentially what's going on is uh, it seems like there's a lot more kind of in this post-truth era of brands that um, are making claims that maybe they would have been able to get away with earlier, you know, that aren't necessarily holding water anymore or they Mm -hmm. just feel that they can speak more to that. I don't know. What do you what do you think, Trent? Do you think people are just getting more ballsy or do you think it's you you think it's just we're we know now? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like there's always this been been this idea of like oh perception is reality in marketing and you know all that matters is how do you make a consumer feel about things um but i think there's a fine line to walk there because look chevy's been doing these ads and i'm i'm not a big fan of these ads um chevy's been doing <laughs> them for a long a time fan. <laughs> yeah yeah not not endorsed by the salad team but um chevy if you're listening you want to come on defend them just send us an email salad podcast at gmail.com we got you we'll put you through <laughs> um but 
you know, those ads have been able to run before. And I think it's mainly because, you know, and I'm speaking off the cuff, I could be wrong about this, but I believe it's because they always talked about the awards they won. And so I feel like it's Mm -hmm. a lot easier to say like, hey, Chevy as a brand has won this award this many times compared to these other cars. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, if you're deliberately calling out these other cars and then saying, by the way, we're better than all of them, it becomes that much harder to defend that claim. And that's where like, you know, like advertising integrity, kind of like bureaus that like track whether or not like companies are making true statements or not. I think that's where they kind of jump in. I think (laughs) we might live in like a post-truth world, but in a sense, you know, if you can, if you're caught blatantly just saying something that's incorrect, it's still going to bite you in the butt. And um, Chevy kind of got called out here and hopefully it'll help them maybe shift a creative direction. I mean, when your ads are getting parodied by, you know, an insurance company like Progressive, (laughs) I think that's a good sign that maybe it's, (laughs) I don't know, maybe it's a little bit time to move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you haven't seen the Progressive ad, definitely go check it out. It's a great parody of these Chevy ads. Um, And it's just interesting because, you know, bring this up. And then last week, you know, we were talking about CES. We didn't really mention it then, Mm -hmm. but um, AT&T was also making claims um, that they had 5G, essentially, where they had literally just kind of replaced their 4G logo with a (laughs) 5G. A little Sharpie over it, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And so they are also in a bit of hot water because of that though they admittedly are standing by it and uh it kind of comes from this whole rivalry between them and verizon of having different 5g networks and claiming you know what is truly 5g mm-hmm. and a lot of people i think still don't really know but yeah. it's definitely not the same as 4g so i think they can kind of they're they're in a bit of hot water on that one as well but it's just kind of interesting to see you know these big brands making these kind of brazen moves uh you know just kind of saying whatever they want and you know, hoping to get away with it, it is very interesting. And and speaking of, you know, brands making kind of brazen moves and doing some wild <laughs> things statements. and getting away with it. Uh, but in a positive way, um, <laughs> there were two really just kind of wild campaign ads that came out that we saw this week. One of them was by, um, oh man, I believe it was DDB Nord. Um, which correct me if I'm wrong, Cole, mm-hmm. right? I believe it was DDB Nord. I believe, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My yeah, understanding. Nord DDB. Um, so that's like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, apologies to Nord DDB. Um, but essentially it's like a, uh, <laughs> a campaign in like, you know, Sweden, UK, Norway, Denmark, all those kinds of countries um, where it's a uh, online payment brand called Klarna and they partnered with Snoop Dogg to have him become Smooth Dog to show just how smooth online payments were using Klarna. Um and it's just really some out out there stuff. Like there's one where it's like Snoop Dogg is using golden peanut butter on a sandwich like that's 20 feet long to feed all these dogs. And he's like, sandwich this big, you might want to break it up just like you'd want to break up a big purchase into smaller payments. Because like with Klarna, you can like buy now and pay later, kind of like your old Kmart layaway. Um, and so <laughs> it's, it's using this wrapper with like a lot of, you know, recognition and kind of putting him in some really odd situations. I feel like actually fit Snoop Dogg's brand pretty well, Um, but it's just very out there. And the brand apparently is known for that before, just to call out some previous marketing Mm -hmm. things that they've done. You know, they apparently had a mermaid dog ad. Um, They had an ad with a man (laughs) and a rippling belly. Um, You know, they had Mm -hmm. one where, Oh gosh, I don't even remember. There's another one that went viral back in like mm-hmm. 2017, exactly. I think. And the funny part too is he's got these dogs in these ads now. So like Snoop Dogg is working with dogs and it's uh, the Afghan, um, uh, where is it? Uh, Afghan hounds, glossy haired Afghan hounds. So if you're interested in what oh, kind yes. of dog Snoop Dogg might collab with, yeah, there you go. Um, the smoothest. Also, for whatever reason, smooth is spelt with three O's. Well, and dog Not is spelled really with two any G's. So I think the other thing to take away is like in this post-truth <laughs> world, spelling is not nearly as important either. It's really just about what mood also do you get when important. you look at the word? How can you modify it to have that that, that feeling, you know? <laughs> We're not writers, mm-hmm. but I think that's the, <laughs> the idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Yeah, so honestly, this ad was, it was really like lush. 
I would have to say. Yeah. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was I did like, appreciate that. Every surface was looked soft and oh so smooth. I I will mm. say that uh yeah, they definitely got the smooth part down. Um I don't know, just everything about it. It's it's very like opulent and like the weirdest way possible. Right. Um definitely like definitely check it out. I'm not really sure uh exactly what Klarn I guess is trying to say, but I'm, it's mainly, I think around these smooth payments that you can apparently make. Apparently it's super easy to use the platform and make payments on big purchases and things like that. Yeah, exactly. I think that's their push. Exactly. It's just kind of a, an interesting way to solve a brand problem, right? How do we educate Uh consumers on how easy our payments are? Well, let's have Snoop Dogg spread some peanut butter, work with some Afghan dogs and, uh, get some, uh, some bling associated with smoothness. Um, so (laughs) excited to see how that campaign tracks. Um, there's another (laughs) ad too that came out recently. Um, and this will actually lead into our next segment, but uh, Mother London, who runs the uh, IKEA business for the UK, um, came out with an ad to promote IKEA's um, sleep, um, I guess, products, sleep-related products. IKEA is making a big push to show the health uh, benefits of getting enough sleep. And so um, Mother London, who are a guest speaker coming up, comes from Mother New York, um, mm-hmm. had a very creative way of uh, addressing this issue. And they essentially created this minute long spot that Uh (laughs) parodies a nightclub where instead of going into this nightclub to party, all these people are going into this nightclub to take a nap, Um, (laughs) which is about as funny of a kind of like juxtaposition as you'd expect. Um, You have all these people running down the street, street vendors are like handing out like toast and all these things. Uh You get into the nightclub, it's (laughs) beds everywhere. People are bringing their blankets and their pajamas. The, The bartenders are, freaking steaming tea you know um and there's people walking around with shady little carts that like you know in real life might be someone trying to hand out some pills but in the ad it's someone handing out little earplugs for people to sleep better um you know and then at the end of course it shows like the prices of like the different beds and products that you see in the ad um but it was just mm-hmm. like also a very lush, very just immersive <laughs> ad too that just drew you into it. At one point, there's like, you know, sheep that jump over and burst into like confetti. Um, it yeah. was just very out there, but really just super cool to watch and a really cool way to, to show a product like that. What do you think, Cole? I, I loved it. And I thought it was a super clever way for them to promote, you know, their their sleep line, essentially, you know, their beds and all yeah. that good stuff. Um, I don't know. It was just funny. The image, um, again, you guys got to go check out the ad, but just the image of all of these beds in, in a nightclub, you know. And mm-hmm. again, like Trent was saying, all of the little Easter eggs, like, you know, again, the, the street vendors are handing out like bowls of cereal. People are, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, look like they're about to like pop pills, but they open it up and it's ear earplugs and they pop mm-hmm. those in and then they, they, they all they all end and they go to sleep and i think i don't know it was just a, it was just a fun unique take on you know how do we promote sleep products and i think it's kind of almost like the you know the bud light ad that you talked about last last week in the sense that you know it's something that you might not think is that exciting something that you know, people have done maybe a lot of times before, but that doesn't mean that a brand can't still have fun with it and mm-hmm. kind of lean in, uh, in a big way. So I think if, if anything, tw- 2019 is starting out with, you know, brands willing to go all in on some things. So, uh, it's been fun to see so far. It, yeah, it was really and cool. I'm, I'm, I'm looking too at the, one of the articles in ad age that kind of goes over the ad. And I think interestingly enough too, it looks like, you know, this is paired. I mean, it's part of their wonderful everyday campaign, which they've been running for a little while now, but it's also paired with, um, a website page called Ikea sleep hub, um, which helps people acquire information to get a better night's sleep and like understand their needs and find products to help you know, them get their best night of sleep. And also it's going to be accompanied by like in-store workshops and events that like help people like realize the benefits of sleep and like different tactics. So it's really interesting too, to see like a company like Ikea, you know, they, they obviously create products for the home, but it's kind of a even better positioning for them to be able to also say, you know, we create products for the home that better your life. And this is how we're going to help you better your life and really go in on that too. So really then I think this ad is even more effective too, just because it does such a good job of creating interest that like causes people to look further and find all these other resources available to them as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty interesting, and clever to see that, that played out. 
Exactly. And it's kind of interesting, too, because they're both, I guess, what, they're both minute-long spots. Um, it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of the ads that we've been seeing recently, too, have been a bit have been a bit longer, at least. Um, I don't know. It seems yeah, like... Actually, no, the mother one was at a minute 32, now that I'm looking at it again. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like recently, it, it seems like brands are more much more willing to go in on these big you know, big production type spots that, you know, they mm-hmm. don't, they last more than a minute, you know, cause they know that people are going to find them on, you know, on social, on online or something. And so they're not afraid to kind of put all that out there, but it's just kind of cool to see them putting so much energy and, and obviously probably money too, into these creative ideas that are so out there, you know, um, kind of wonder, you know, are people getting <laughs> desperate or are they just starting to realize that people like these sorts of things? I, I really hope, that we keep getting yeah. more of them. I'm curious about that too. I, I've heard people discuss before, like, oh, all the award-winning ads, you know, always seem to be like these minute to three minute long, you know, f- video spots. And it's like, exactly. is that an effective ad? Cause is, is anyone really going to watch it? You know, but I think there's something to be said about just, if you have a story to tell, tell it and don't be afraid to go use as much time as you need. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I think so much of is yeah, go ahead. to like creating buzz and, you know, right. in a way, you know, by making a big statement, you know, that may take longer than a 30 second spot, you know, there people are able to, or brands, not people, brands are able to make a bigger impact on people, um, mm-hmm. truly being able to tell that entire story. And I mean, I don't know, I just keep flashing in my head. The Kaepernick ad just keeps flashing in my head. I'm just like, oh, right. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like an example of a greater campaign kickoff too. And I think you see these kind of like hero videos that really emphasize the campaign. And then you have smaller stuff that supports it. For example, with this mother ad with Ikea, you know, you've got the in-store promotions, events, activities that kind of serve as that proof of, of the ad, you know? And I think, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably part of the reason why you see this too, is it makes more sense in my mind to do a longer spot like that. That's kind of your anthem. Mm-hmm. For the campaign, if you can back it up with other supporting events and tactics, um, if this mm-hmm. was just on its own, it might not be as effective. But tied in, I think it creates a nice synergy, which we've exactly. said now a couple weeks in a row. But I don't <laughs> know, maybe um, maybe salad can you know bring synergy back into the fold. We'll see. Hashtag, we'll see what's uh, added to the ingredient list. Hashtag bring back synergy. <laughs> there we um, go. And yeah, I think speaking of synergy. Um, mm-hmm. We want to have nice tie-ins between segments, so I'm going to transition to our next segment now. Um, <laughs> gosh, we're killing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so we're going to sit down with Alex uh, Budenberg here, who is uh, the group account director um, on Stella Artois' global and U.S. Uh, account um, over at Mother uh, New York. Um, I had the pleasure of working for Alex over the summer, um, and he was a great resource for me and very very sharp and good at his job. And we thought it'd be great to, to talk with him about account management, you know, how he's seen, um, kind of the industry change and his role changes. He's gotten up, you know, more and more promotions and higher level roles, um, as well as just what his thoughts are in the industry going forward. So, um, let's bring him here to uh, talk about that now. Okay. So Alex, to get started, um, do you want to just kind of tell everyone kind of a brief overview of where you've worked and kind of some of the main past clients you've been on before Stella? Yeah, sure. I actually, um, before before the world of advertising, studied psychology. So um, it was kind of a slightly lateral move for me um, in that I didn't study advertising, marketing or business before, before getting into it. Okay. Um, I kind of left college thinking that... Um, I wanted to do something creative. I wasn't quite sure what. And um, in the UK, they have grad schemes, which I believe they have in the US as well. Uh, and ended up on one of those a, a company, a small, a small UK company called BNB, mm-hmm. who was founded. BNB was founded by um, some of the top dogs that were at TBWA during the kind of famous era in the '90s, where they were doing a lot of the great um, PlayStation and Wonderbra work. Oh, right. And so that was a, that was a really that was a really great place to start. It was only around. I think it's around 60 to 80 people, depending on, um, you know, when you asked and, and the leaders of that agency, as I say, because they were from such kind of high caliber and they've been around such great work. They, uh, you know, they left to start their own thing. And so it was, a, it was an ambitious sort of hot shot 
uh, in the UK. It won a lot of accounts uh, very quickly. Nice. Um, mostly, most, mostly national, but um, probably their biggest like, global brand was uh, IKEA. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in particular, I worked on um, mainly on Molson Coors, so Carling, Corona, mm-hmm. and Grolsch. Uh, but also, while I was there, I, I also worked on a newspaper called The Independent. Um, Virgin Money, which is uh, obviously part of the Virgin Group, is the, the, bank, the banking side right. of that. Um, and a few other things while I was there, but I was particularly focused on Carling, which is, is a, on the sort of global scale of beer, is a relatively small brand, but in uh, in the UK is, or was at the time, the, the kind of biggest selling beer. So uh, that was a really fun uh, world to start in. Uh, from there, I went to... Um, which was great. I kind of uh, sort of had my advertising grounding right. at BNB. From there, I went to uh, Widening Kennedy. Um, purely, really, just the, the kind of reputation, the brands that they have, the way that they work, the, the desire to do um, to do amazing work in that, and they have a very sort of purist sense of um, you know a belief in creativity, and that creativity can kind of grow businesses and grow brands. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's an e- it sounds a very simple thing to say, but it's something that you know, very often gets lost in uh, in the pressures of what we do, whether that's from the agency side or the client side. So my desire to move to Widen was really just around, you know, wanting to see how they did things, you know, seeing the level of output that they have on clients like Nike, uh, Honda. Uh, and really interesting that I found with Widen sort of across the board, even on brands that maybe wouldn't have traditionally been um, you know, particularly interesting or breakthrough mm-hmm. creatively. They, I always find that they, they really tried to push the boat out and, you know, whether it was anything from yogurt to, you know, telco, anything that they did, there was always a real drive for um, the work to be as good as it could be. So I moved to Widen. I was there for three and a half years. I worked on mostly on Honda, uh, which was a pan-European account. We also worked with the UK um, uh, marketing team mm-hmm. specifically as well. Uh, and that was, that was fantastic. We, we did, uh, you know, we did lots and lots of work and, uh, you know, the bar, you know, in Europe on Honda with Widen, um, you know, they've, you know, done over the past sort of 20 years, some of the most famous advertising in, in cars right. kind of ever really. And um, so it was great to, it was great to work on that. And the, the ECDs, uh, Tony and Kim at the time had, were the guys that did all of the really famous Honda stuff, you know, Honda Cog. Uh, hate something, change something, impossible yeah. dream, all those like fantastic, famous mm-hmm. uh, c- communications. And, and they were still very much part of it, part of, you know, they were still leading, you know, wide in London, but they were very, very much involved with, with Honda. So that whilst BMB was a fantastic start, Widen was really, uh, felt like going to kind of more like an elite, I guess an elite academy of, of advertising where, you know, everyone was really, really there to, to do the best, you know, they have a phrase, which is, you know, do the best work of our lives. And I think that that kind of ran through both the creative department, but, but every, every part of the business, whether that was someone that was in the finance department and, you know, an account person, a strategist, a producer, and everyone was really there to, to make the work better and do the best work that they could. And, and it was great because everyone knew that that's ultimately what, what you were going to be judged right. on, you know, more than anything else. So, and I, I had an amazing time, that, uh, amazing time there. It was, it was, it was very hard that, that it was, uh, the, the level that is demanded of you is incredibly high. Um, but the rewards that you get back are also very high. You know, we worked on a lot of campaigns that won a lot of, uh, can lions. Um, you know, the people that you work with are just incredibly talented. Um, and also very, very nice that there's a, there's a certainly, a. Uh, a policy of you know trying to avoid any kind of ego and I think one of the things that Widen are very good at is kind of hiring and promoting from within and um, a lot of the time people tend to stay there a long long time so um, I, I had an amazing time nice. at Widen in that kind of three and a half years and then following on from that I, went, I moved across the pond to Droga, New York um, really just the incentive was just to work in you know work in a different market and you know, what a better place to do that than, than the kind of the scale that you get in New York. So um, I hopped across the pond uh, and spent two, mm-hmm. just over two years at Droga 5. Um, again, you know, create, the, the level of kind of creative excellence was, was really appealing and I wanted to be part of that and help, you know, build that. Um, so I moved across there and worked. Um, I worked on a variety of health and wellness brands. Um, and then, and then, sort of, for so the second year, I worked on Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the, the Pixel phone account, which was, um, which was great. It was a really interesting account to work on. You know, working with Google is is amazing. It's incredibly fast paced and dynamic. The clients are incredibly smart. 
Um, but it's interesting working with Pixel because Google, obviously, a huge company, but Pixel itself is a is very much a challenger brand. It has you know a relatively right. small market share compared compared to Samsung and, uh, and mm-hmm. Apple. So it was an interest. It was an interesting tension working with you know such a big brand it, with with a very small market share versus the the the, the main competitors in in cell phones. So. Super interesting. Really, really love working on that. And then more recently, you know, mm-hmm. moved over to Mother um, last May uh, to work on Stella Artois. Again, you know, uh, met with the, the Mother team quite a lot of times when I was discussing the moon right. and, um, you know, met with Peter and Arthi and, and, and multiple other people, and Peter, the CEO and Arthi, the MD, and just got a really great sense of the, the culture and company and, the, uh, you know, that the, they had a really clear sense of who they were. Um, and that that coupled with Stella, you know, being one of the, you know, I believe one of the really great creative brands, uh, you know, over the past sort of 10, 20 years, it's such, such a great heritage of, of amazing work. I, you know, it felt like an, uh, something I couldn't really turn down. So, so and that, that takes me to, to today leading the, the Stella account. Um, we do, we work globally. Um, so Stella is in around just over 20 markets. Um, so we, we work with a kind of global team and then we also work set slightly separately, although it's the, the, the lines are very blurred with the, with the U S clients as well. Obviously they're the, the biggest Stella market. So we work very closely with them on, you know, activating specific pieces of, um, creative and communications mm-hmm. in that market. Right. Very um, cool. And so I guess now as you're working on Stella, how would you kind of describe your day to day, um, for people who are maybe interested in accounts? Like what does, what does your kind of day to day look like as a group account director? Yeah, it's interesting. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the job is that no, no two days really look exactly alike. I think if, if right. you are, if you are someone who's interested in getting into the business, um, it's, it's very varied and it's very dynamic. And, you know, to some people that's incredibly appealing to others. Um, you know, they might want a bit more stability and procedure and, um, uh, uniformity. And I guess it's, it, it depends a little bit on, on you as a person. Um, I personally love that, that every day is very different. You know, this morning I'm, I'm flying to LA for a meeting with one of the global clients. Um, that's just for a day be flying back. But in terms of the, the actual day to day, you know, as an account person, you kind of sit at the heart of creative, uh, the creative department, strategy, production, finance, HR, so you, you really do, you do kind of touch everything. So, um, you know, I guess the core of your job really is, you know, you're the engine that I, I believe the engine that kind of drives an account forward. Um, and the motto of mother, which I really like is, you know, do great work, get paid and have fun doing it. And I think, yeah. you know, when you really boil it down, when you really boil it down, that is what the, the job is about is getting to great work ensuring we get, you know, paid fairly for it. We're not a charity and, and have fun doing it. You know, we've, you know, everyone in advertising is, uh, you know, an interesting creative person and has made a choice to work in that industry because it partly because it is, uh, interesting, engaging and, and, you know, should be fun as well. So yeah. that's kind of at the core of it. And then in terms of the actual day to day, you'll kind of range from, you know, meetings to creative teams where they'll be sharing work before a client presentation. Um, you know, I'll meet a lot with, um, the leadership team here, uh, just in terms of the overall kind of business goals and objectives and the lay of the land with, with Stella. Um, you meet with the, the strategists, they'll, you know, particularly working on kind of brand strategy, but also data and comm strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're at a certain stage of the process, we'll be working a lot with production because they'll actually be making the comms that you're, uh, you spent all that time kind of building and selling in. And then obviously working closely with finance as well. So there'll be meetings with the finance director, um, you know, ensuring that, um, you know, at the start of the year when you agree a fee, uh, if you're an AOR, you agree a fee with a client, making sure that, um, you know, the number of hours that you're putting against the client, you know, are reflective of that as you go through the process, because of course, um, you know, it's a, it's a particularly dynamic uh, thing working with clients, especially at a global scale. So things kind of ebb and flow and the team that needs right. to deliver against um, different projects changes a lot. So you're kind of, I know it's kind of a vague answer, but you really, you really are at kind of the heart of everything. So your day-to-day uh-huh. meetings will range, um, it, you know, push and pull you in, in all different places. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It, it sounds like you're really involved in a lot, um, Alex, especially at the level that you're at. Um, so how would you say that your role has kind of changed um, uh, kind of from when you started to uh, what you're up to now and how have your strategies kind of changed to uh, to meet those things? Yeah, it, interesting because in many ways, the role, you know, changes greatly as you 
um, the, the kind of longer that you do the job, you know, at a very junior level, you're, when you very first kind of enter the business, a lot of what you're doing is kind of support administrative. Um, and then as you kind of progress, you progress to owning sort of pieces of projects and then at a kind of more mid-level, you're, you know, probably running um, specific projects, whether that's a TV campaign or website build, you know, a, uh, you know, a digital campaign or, 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 or whatever project that might be for the, for the client. And then as you go to kind of more mid to senior level, you're running the kind of more like the day-to-day of the account. So, um, you know, kind of leading the, you'll be probably at that point leading a more junior team who are, who are owning specific projects. Um, and then as you get slightly more senior, as a kind of group account director level, you have, you know, overall responsibility of, um, you know, I have it of Stellar Global and Stellar US, but some group account directors might be on, four things or five things, you know, it, it kind of varies a lot depending on the agency and the level. Um, and then you have that overall responsibility of everything to the account, really, whether that's the financial aspect of it, the creative, the strategy, you really do kind of, and of course you have, you know, your partners in the relative um, disciplines, mm-hmm. which is, uh, which is great. And they own that part of it as well, but you, you have that kind of overall responsibility. And then of course, as you get even more senior, um, you know, there's head of department roles where you're kind of running an entire department, whether that's account management or mothering, as they call it, a mother um, strategy, creative production. And then once you go beyond that, there's obviously MD and CEO roles. So there's kind of a lot of stretch there. And in many ways, it ch- your job and skills do ch- change a lot. Um, but there's a lot of fundamentals that you actually learn early on that, that never stop being crucial, whether that's kind of attention to detail, you know, willingness to always learn and ask questions, a determination, um, and optimism, I think is really important in what we do. It's, it's, it can be kind of a tough business. And so, you know, you have to have that optimism to keep the team lifted and keep them growing. Um, a candy spirit and, and the, the desire to really learn and get under the skin of your client's business. They're all things really that, that are important from day one and, and never stop being important. Um, so they, they, they kind of run through it and you kind of obviously you flex them in different ways, but they, they stay pretty constant. There are, I mean, there are of course things that change. I think in specifically in account management, you know, you can, a lot of people kind of get to maybe account director level being fantastic operators and they are, you know, incredibly buttoned down, incredibly, um, you know, thought through, organized, have a great attention to detail, um, and, and, and in function at a very high level, there is a kind of turning point in account management, normally at group account director, and especially when you get more to like MD and RT level, where mm-hmm. a lot more of the conversations you're having at that level are, are kind of strategic, whether that's kind of business and commercial or creative strategy. And you are dealing with a very different type of client who are kind of well versed in that side of things as well. So I, there is a kind mm-hmm. of there is a kind of tipping point. Um, once you've done it for, you know, once you've got to a certain level where a lot more of your conversations do become um, strategic and a lot more of your ability needs to kind of grow with that as well. Mm. Um, mm. So that's, that's one of the biggest, the biggest changes. But as I say, a lot of the things are kind of growth points in areas that are important from, you know, a very junior kind of um, mother or account person role right up to, you know, a CEO, mm-hmm. you know, our CEO and MD will still write incredibly clear, detailed and precise summary notes at the end of an important meeting like that's something you do on day one in the job but it's something that it can never leave you so there's, there's a there's a combination of things that will never change and then there are quite big changes as you grow as well right and, and i think Very with cool. that too as your um you kind of touched on this as you're moving farther up, you're starting to kind of work with more people and, and kind of lead bigger and bigger teams i think as you've kind of continued working and moving up in this industry what what is kind of your approach to um, leading teams been and what, what, is it, what have you found that's worked and hasn't worked as you've you know, continued um, in this industry? Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny in, in account management, you're, uh, I don't want to say spoiled, but you get exposure to um, managing people from re- relatively early on, you know, sometimes at kind of a year right. a year or so in, you might even have someone working into you. Or, and, and, and I think that's great because I do think, it's, again, it's a skill that you'll start um, flexing and, 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 you know, you'll start getting that sort of management experience at a small scale very quickly. Um, whereas I think, mm-hmm. in, interestingly, in other departments, whether it's kind of 
production strategy or creative, they, you're often, because you're more responsible for an output, whether that's a strategic deck or a piece of creative, you, you, less of your job, less of your job at more junior levels is about management. And that starts maybe coming in, you know, in creative only really comes in when you start to get to creative director level. Um, and strategy, you know, often in strategy, people can get to a very high level um, only having one person working with them or, or none at all. So I think that's one of the, one of the benefits of account management or mothering is that you, um, you do get that exposure and experience to, to, to managing from quite early on. Obviously, as you get more senior, that, that the number of people you're managing grows. Um, and then when you start to, you know, lead a kind of business or even lead a, a department, like if you're head of account management, um, the number of people obviously grows and, the, and then that level of responsibility grows and that role changes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's, you know, there's, there's you know, I, I, I'm still constantly learning in that, in that respect. I think um, there are some things that are really important in terms of, um, you know, I, I, there's a phrase that someone told me a while ago, um, which is from an 80s uh, UK agency, if I forget the name of, which is um, strong opinions lightly held. And I think that's really... Um, sounds very simple, but it is a good kind of, um, jumping off point. So I think, you know, when you are working with people, whether it, whether it's a challenge on a project or an opportunity or an issue they're having, it's always good to have, to form an opinion and have a point of view. Um, but, but, but lightly held, I think is interesting, especially in the world of account management, which is, you know, such a big part of our job. Our job is seeking the input and expertise of creatives and, you know, everyone else in their department is a, is a specialist. And as an account person, you truthfully, you're more of a generalist. And I think, you know, when it's done, um, you know, badly, you know, leading teams is done, you know, with an authoritarian style, you know, you must do this, you mustn't do that. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, when it's done well, it's, you know, you have a point of view, but you get the, you get the input and experience of others. Um, and also, you know, like being positive can't be, can't be underrated. I think, um, you know, everyone's going, however big or small, whatever level everyone's at, everyone's going through, you know, stress, pressure, challenges, you know, uh, whether that's, you know, particularly in their work life or in their private life. So yeah. I think being a positive person and being, being empathetic is, is really important in being a leader. And also, you know, uh, the, another phrase that one of my bosses told me a couple of years ago is like leading without authority. Mm. And I also really like that, which <laughs> yeah. is, you know, the best leaders, can get people to follow them without having to tell them what to do. And I, you know, I personally, you know, I don't know if I, if I do do that, hopefully I do a bit of that, but I think it it was a really, she, she definitely did that. The person that told me she was fantastic at it. And um, I always respected that and and see that as a bit of an aim for for leading as well. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Honestly, those are both great philosophies and I really like those quotes. Um, I'm curious too, you know, from kind of starting out to now, is there anything like you wish you knew, like when you started out that may have helped you kind of early on that you now know, um, that you think like would be beneficial for other people kind of in this industry or in accounts to learn? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I wish someone had <laughs> told me was, it, you know, it's really hard. It's really, really hard your first few years because yeah. you, you've never, even if you studied it, you've never experienced it, you know, maybe more than kind of summer internships and stuff. So you're trying to pick up a lot of what the, just the ecosystem of an agency and how clients work and how it all sort of fits together. On top of that, you're getting tons, you know, your tons of stuff is getting thrown at you. You're, you know, you're working with people who are very kind of busy so that you're probably not getting a ton of time with them. Um, and so, and, and also, you know, when you very first start, you're not, mm-hmm. you're not often getting paid very well. So I, you know, in your first, in your first couple of years, it can feel like a bit of a thankless, mm-hmm. you know, thankless job. And I think what I would say is, you know, as you do progress, obviously you tend to get paid better you, as you grow in, in terms of the, the work that you're doing, that tends to get more fulfilling and you tend to go from maybe more of the administrative stuff to like more interesting conversations. Um, so I, you know, I wish someone had told me that you know it, it gets, uh, I'd say, exponentially more interesting and, and rewarding as you as you push through, and that the first couple of years can be uh, can be really tough. And you know, when, you know, I had nights when you're there at you know 11 p.m., 12 p.m. working on decks or designing things or you know filling in state filling in status, and it can feel thankless. But you know, it's 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 all good learning, and it's it's also not forever. So. That that's definitely one thing, and then and then the other thing is is um, yeah, 
I guess just taking every um, taking everything you're given with a sense of like I'm going to make this the, the best that it can be. And I know that sounds kind of cliched and trite, but people people really do notice That's if nice. you know a status report is filled out well, or, or or the converse is it sounds like a very basic thing, but if there's typos in it or if there's small things wrong. That, that does make a, a kind of a difference to how yeah. people will perceive you. And I think um, that's not saying that they you know, don't ever make mistakes, but I think it is saying like whilst a status report or making sure that, you know, a room is prepped for a really big meeting with the CEO and, you know, everything, all the, every, all the, you know, the IT is working and that everything's like perfectly arranged. That stuff is really, really, really important. Um, and, yeah. you know, again, I had a boss who once said like, if people get on a plane and the, the coffee table is broken, they think the engines are going to fall off. And <laughs> it's, it's kind of true of clients. Like if there's typos in decks, if this stuff isn't tight, if the meeting, everyone walks into the meeting 10 minutes late, if, um, it all feels like small things, but actually they're super, super important. And, and there are a lot of the things that you get a lot of when, when you first start. And again, as I say, they can feel a little bit thankless, but people really notice when they're, a, they're important, and B, people really notice when they're done well, and you'd be amazed at when those things do are done well with a great attitude, how quickly you will progress, and you'll be given bigger stuff and projects and you know chunkier things to deal with. And if you keep dealing with those with the same level of energy, optimism, and passion as everything else, then it just keeps going, and you just you'll keep growing. Um, so that would be the other thing is, you know, not to see any task, however menial it can seem and maybe frustrating as, as kind of, um, or, or flip side of that, I would say, is to see every task as an opportunity to, to do it really well because um, ultimately it's kind of, you, it's PR for yourself within an agency right. and with clients is, you know, all those, all those things get noticed. So that would be another piece of advice that I kind of wish someone had told me on day one. Definitely. Very cool. It seems like, you know, kind of going above and beyond for the client and really taking that extra step to kind of show your expertise and really kind of stand out is super important. Um, A lot of people, you know, are saying like technology is kind of changing the industry in a lot of ways. Do you feel like that's going to change the agency client relationship at all? Or do you think those things will kind of remain the same? It's a great question. I think a lot of things will change and are already changing. And, um, even that what clients use uh, creative agencies for is is constantly and rapidly changing. I think, um, you know, they're obviously taking a lot more things in house. There's uh, a lot of bigger clients have, um, you know, pretty heavily resourced data, you know, departments and, and, and expertise. Um, and, and then obviously the channels and the ways that you can, you, you can reach consumers are, you know, constantly and rapidly changing, um, yeah. which, which is all, you know, really, really, really exciting, I think. And, and, and again, it does, you know, it does raise really important questions for the industry about, you know, keeping up with that pace and ensuring mm-hmm. we've got the right sort of skill sets, you know, in, in house. And, you know, that, that varies dramatically between clients. I've had some clients where, um, they don't, uh, Droga particularly, they didn't have great data capabilities and they were screaming for, the, for that from the agency. And then other clients will be like, look, we've got that, we've got that, we've got that absolutely covered. Um, and, and, you know, you guys don't need to worry about that. So, it, you know, it really is different for every client in terms of, you know, what they have in-house and, and particularly what they're looking for yeah. from an agency. Um, so that's, so, so that, that, that I think will, all of those things will change and evolve. Um, but there are some fundament, fundamentals of, of relationships with clients that, that I don't ever think will, whether that's, you know, you know, building a sense of trust and reliability and, you know, um, you know, hard work, grit and determination, the belief that, that you're as in it as they are, that, you know, they have your back and you have theirs. And a lot of that stuff goes for, it's a lot of the things that go for personal relationships as well, kind of um, work at a bigger scale for, for client relationships. And so I think there are, there are many things that are rapidly changing with the technology. And then I think there are fundamentals of, of client management that, that kind of hold true, whether I'm talking about a three second Snapchat ad or a, a 90 second Super Bowl film or a, a project with them on, um, you know, what are new growth opportunities for the, you know, uh, for the product, you know, there, there are so many different projects and types of projects you can do as a strategic mm-hmm. creative agency. All of them require different skill sets, but, you know, underlying a lot of them is, is really solid account management. And, uh, the, 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 as soon as you don't have it, you see how quickly it falls down. I remember there was a example where, 
one of the creatives at Widen years ago was like, I just want to try a project without any account people on it. Because, <laughs> you know, I think sometimes, sometimes it can be frustrating having account people and everything. And, right. and then after about, after about a week, he was like, holy shit, this, this whole thing has gone up. <laughs> gone absolutely haywire it's like falling apart no one's doing what they're meant to be doing so i think you know i think there again like i think it's an interesting um department to be in and i think you often have to really strike that balance both as clients and creatives of uh being empathetic but also being you know having a point of view having a vision yourself <laughs> uh, but also taking in all that information so there's, i think there's many sorry long-winded way of saying i think there's many things that will will change a lot and then i think there's there's some sort of fundamentals that will always always be true Mm-hmm. Definitely seems to be that way. And if anything, it seems like those fundamentals become even more important as technology uh, kind of advances even further and things change more. So, no, that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And I've seen, you know, from, from clients recently and, you know, in the recent past, I think um, when they do feel they have people on the team that understand the business mm-hmm. um, and understand that and understand them and their goals and motivations, you know, personally, you know, a big part of working with clients is, you know, their personal incentives and goals and motivations, as well as the brands, as well as the businesses. And so if they're working with people that they feel understand those things well, um, you, you've, you've generally got a good foundation to, to ride out, you know, the rough patches and the stressful patches. Because like in any relationship, there's always going to be those. Um, and interestingly, when you, when you look at, you know, many things are changing, but when you look at some of the relationships, you know, Nike have been with um, Widen and Kennedy for many, many years. Yes, of course, they use other agencies and that's fantastic. But the, 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 the belief and trust in the relationship between that client and that agency is amazing and has endured through, you know, a huge amount of change for the, both the businesses and for the, the market. Um, and Stella Artois, mother, has been the same. You know, it's kind of a 10-year relationship and, and Honda and Widen was, was similar, you know, it, those things it, it's very easy i think for clients and agencies to to fall apart that relationship to fall apart unfortunately mm-hmm. and with there's so many pressures that, that face both sides that does happen a lot mm-hmm. of the time in it but i do think that there are some enduring ones that show when when that chemistry is right and when the the amount of the level of input from each side is right those things can endure uh, through a lot of change mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely it, either way. It's about creating kind of that perfect cocktail and that balance of all of those things coming together. So no, that's that's really interesting. And uh, so I, I know we're kind of running uh, out of time here. So just to kind of wrap up here, do you have any um, kind of books, media, things that you've been watching or hearing recently that um, you think would be really cool for our audience, people you know coming up in the industry to kind of read or or take a look at? Yeah, there's, um, think fast, I'm going to get the title of this wrong. Is it think fast and slow? Mm. Um, is, is, I think I've got that the right way around. Think fast and slow, uh, is a great example of it, but that, that a lot of that is around kind of human heuristics mm. and, um, uh, kind of behavioral economics. And, uh, that's, that's just a fascinating read, especially mm-hmm. for, um, you know, in terms of what we do. Um, I, and again, I, you know, I think there are a lot of great books on advertising out there. There's a, there's a very famous, uh, I think it's called uh, one by David Ogilvy called Ogilvy on advertising. Um, so there are, there are great books on advertising and, you know, I would absolutely, you know, give those a read. I, I personally find, um, some of the more, maybe slightly more lateral ones, weirdly more helpful. So I'm reading a book at the moment, um, from the founder of Patagonia called let my people go surfing. Um, and that is, that is just a fantastic book to, to read about, you know, a guy, um, who started a company based on a, you know, profound belief in a, in a particular way to do things. And that way to do things is, you know, harming the environment as little as possible. You know, there's a kind of course tenet of that. And I think it's, especially as you sort of start to see, you know, big brands, uh, you know, finding their purpose and even the Gillette ad that's just launched. Uh, it's interesting to see a company that haven't found it because they think they have to, right. they just had it from the start. So that's a really interesting book. And, and along with that, there's uh, Phil Knight, the founder of Nike has a book called uh, Shoe Dog, mm. uh, which is particularly, which is really, really interesting. Um, and yeah, they're the, they're the ones that like spring to spring to mind that I would, uh, I would take a read of. Um, that, that are really interesting and offer kind of some insights into kind of business as well. 
Nice. Yeah, the, those are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Well, Alex, I just want to say thank you again for for coming on. Well, uh, well, it's great talking to you again. We'll let you get over to the airport and stuff and get over to LA. But you know, thanks again. Um, it's been awesome having you. No worries, and uh, thanks for taking the time, guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Great talking to you. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's always a pleasure talking to Alex, and I'm really excited we got to bring him on the show for you know, us to talk to and for all of you listeners out there to get to, to hear from him. Um, just a super bright guy and a very driven and very good kind of a mentor for me over the summer. So it's exciting to talk mm-hmm. with him again. And, you know, Cole, I'm just curious, what are your big takeaways? I kind of want to dive into what we heard here. Yeah. So honestly, um, some of the really cool things, um, that we talked to Alex about, you know, on this show a lot, we're talking about kind of the changing landscape of advertising and how tech is kind of changing that in so many ways. But I think to Alex's uh, point was that he was, you know, saying that, you know, these person to person, uh, human interactions, you know, are still some of the most Mm -hmm. important parts of the business and still some of the most integral and fundamental pieces of that. Um, so I, I think that was one of the biggest, biggest things take away. Yeah, I I really liked that because I think it's just so true. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the job of an account person, right? And I'll, Mm -hmm. you know, try not to get on a soapbox here as somebody who wants to go into that department in this industry. But, you know, the a good account person can really just build those relationships so that no matter what's changing around them, you can still have trust between client agency and continue to work on this shared mutually beneficial partnership. And, you know, I, I, it's just such a good point that, you know, no matter what's changing around like that need for a good relationship between two people working on a creative project together will always stay the same. And I think that shows the benefit of accounts. You know, we talked with John Rich back a couple of weeks ago and he was like, we are talking about what departments may change, you know, but again, I think we're continuing to see that people and, personal personableness and kind of relationships will always still be at the forefront of however and wherever we do business. And I think that's something that, you know, people interested in accounts and people interested in any other department can take to heart too and continue to implement into them uh, their workday as they continue to train, you know. Definitely. I mean, advertising is a people, people industry, you know, and right. uh, again, to to what Alex was saying that no matter what level within the company that he was a part of, you know, he was still using those fundamental people skills. And I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting to hear, too, that he was a psychology major as well. Um, yeah. So I'm sure that that helps a little bit. Um, but it was <laughs> I, I don't know. It was it was really cool to just hear his perspective on that, especially after working at so many, you know, esteemed uh uh, agencies, you know, that was, yeah, it was right. really cool to hear that, you know, no matter where you are, that, um, those things are always holding true. Yeah. That's, I think the important thing for us as like students to remember, um, mm-hmm. and you have your internship and it may not be something you're super excited about now, but just always take to heart too. Like everything you're learning is an opportunity to grow and like every new experience at an internship, good or bad is now something that you have in your toolbox that you can reference later and have a better understanding of how to handle your current situation. And it just each of these little details, like he was saying, they all come back. So, you know, if you, if you can do the nitty gritty up front, that's just only going to help you moving forward as you deal with more big picture kind of uh, problems and conceptual issues. Um, so I think that was mm-hmm. another great point that he highlighted as well. And also Definitely. encourage that everyone to check out those books. I looking to dig into them too uh, mm-hmm. pretty soon here, but I've heard great things about them and uh, was glad to hear that too. That was a, that was a good book list he offered us. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And I, I love your point about, you know, learning from, you know, every, every experience that happens because good or bad, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing is it's always a learning experience and uh, especially, especially starting out in the industry, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't find out what you don't like until you, you know, yeah, and you it. don't know what you don't know until you find out that you didn't know it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, oh boy. Yeah. you know, and you wouldn't think that on a podcast about advertising, we'd get deep. But, you know, uh, we, you know, salad belongs in a bowl, not on a plate. And bowls have depth, you know, just like our conversations, <laughs> both with industry professionals and with each other. And um, speaking Congrats. of depth, I think, you, I, you know, I think I speak for Cole and I when I hope that all of mm-hmm. you listening have a great, fulfilling and, uh, you know, filled with depth kind of connections and moments kind of a week, you know. And uh, I guess for me, you know, signing off here from Tempe, just want to say goodnight to all of you. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, take us away, yeah. Cole. Have an fantastic week, ladies and gentlemen. 